0: Good morning. You may be seated. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. My name is Craig, and I am the senior pastor here, and it is our privilege to have you as we've gathered together to worship this great Lord that we've sang about this morning. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you and invite you to turn to Luke chapter 18. Just one more reminder that I feel like I give every week, but for those of you that might not know, we've been preaching. I've been preaching. We've been reading through the Bible since January. And so uh, we've made it into the book of Luke uh, chapter 18 this morning. We're going to be talking about prayer out of Luke's gospel in Luke chapter 18. A couple of announcements as you're turning. First of all, we do have a big trunk or treat this evening. I know many of you have signed up to participate. Thank you for doing that. If you didn't sign up and you want to participate... You'll find, I tell you what, if you'll find me after service, I'll see what I can do. Okay. I won't put that off on anybody else. I'll try and help you. But um, those of you that have signed up, we need you to get here about five o'clock this afternoon so you can beat everybody else before they get here. And we're going to park you in this little area right in front of the children's wing right over there. So we're gonna kind of occupy that that sort of horseshoe. We'll we'll kind of put you in a horseshoe space and that way we give everything basically from here over uh, for parking for any of our guests. So um, if you could get here, uh, we will we will make sure we get you parked. We have candy. You bring more candy if you want to. And if you have really good candy, you bring it and call me, and I'll sample it when you get here. Uh, but, um, uh, but we do just invite you to come and, and to, to hang out with us from uh, 6 to 8 is the time for our trunk retreat. But again, if you could get here an hour early just to make sure that we're not competing with getting you parked and getting everybody else parked that would certainly be beneficial the other thing i want to mention to you is next sunday afternoon we're going to be or evening day whatever we're going to do something that uh we've not done before so i know how much Baptists love change so we're going to do something a little bit different Um, so one of the good things about our church in the last 18 months or so is we have lots and lots of new faces one of the bad things about our church in the last 18 months or so is we have lots and lots of new faces and uh, as a result uh, it's it's hard to get everybody to know one another so one of the things that we're really doubling down on in the fall and through the spring is fellowship opportunities but next Sunday night evening afternoon whichever you want we're going to give it a really fancy name we're going to call it new friend fellowship you like that and so for all of you introverts, this is the scariest thing we've ever done uh, for you, okay? Because what we're asking you to do is next Sunday, afternoon, evening, whenever you want to, to make a new friend, okay? So invite somebody that maybe has never been to your house or, or go to lunch with them, somebody that's not in your life group. They don't have to be a brand new member. might just be somebody that's been here for uh, three years and you've just never had an opportunity, okay? Um, You might be that person who's only been here for six months, and you just haven't had the opportunity. Just get a little bit uncomfortable. I get it. It's going to be weird, okay? Um, There are some introverts in my household, and we had this conversation. There was like, you know what? Maybe we should just not participate. And I was like, well, maybe we should get ahead of the curve. But anyway, uh, so do it, right? So before you 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 got a week, so if you want to hunt somebody down, go hunt somebody down today. Invite them to lunch— Y'all can go skating. Um, Is that still a thing? Can you do that anywhere? Let's go with it. Pretend like it is. It should be. It should be. Uh, You can go bowling. Um, You 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 can go deer hunting together. Whatever you want to do, just go. You got to sit in the same stand though, or it doesn't actually count as making a friend. Okay, you hear me? Or you at least got to ride in the truck on the way there together. You got to do something. Don't don't do that. Anyway, we just want to encourage you to do that. Okay, so I know that all of you want. But if you're sitting there right now and you're thinking this is, the, this is the weirdest thing he's ever asked us to do, just get over it. I've asked you to do weirder things than this before. okay? But the whole purpose is this, right? Uh, our church is going to be stronger as we build relationships with each other. So um, try, try to step out on a limb. If you're a guest with us, you are invited to participate, right? You don't have to be a member. We'd love to have you to participate and make a new friend. All right. That's next Sunday, not this Sunday. We need you to show up here tonight. You might make a new friend here tonight, too. I should move on, shouldn't I? We do have Lord's Supper this morning. Um, just uh, give you a heads up, it will be at the end of the sermon. I'll have a couple of guys come up at the end to make sure, as, as we transition that, our children are going to come in as well. So just know that, that when we get to that place in our service, it's going to be a bit discombobulated. That's okay with us, that's on purpose, because we think it's important that uh, our children participate. We obviously understand that not all of our children are believers, and so not all of our children... We'll take the Lord's Supper with us, but it's an opportunity for them to learn and understand what it is, uh, what Jesus did on the cross for us, and uh, for you as parents to have an opportunity to speak with your children about the necessity for them to uh, give their life to Christ. All right, having said all of that, hopefully you've made it to Luke chapter 18. I should have turned while y'all did. Luke chapter 18, I'm going to ask you to stand with me in honor of God's Word. insight and understanding in your word this morning Lord, teach us to pray in jesus name amen all right how should you pray i titled this sermon knocking on heaven's door I had to look it up bob dylan of course, wrote that song, Knocking on Heaven's Door. What I didn't know is he wrote it for a soundtrack for a western movie back in the 70s. Um, Pat Garrett and, the, and Billy the Kid was the name of the film. Any of y'all know that without me telling you? Come on, somebody. You, yes, we got one. That's good. I had uh, two. All right, three. All right, quit. That's enough. I shouldn't. Uh, y'all y- 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 making me look bad. Okay, so, But Bob Dylan wrote the song for that, and, and the song describes the scene as this frontier lawman whose name, I kid you not, was Slim Pickens, um, addresses his wife as he's dying from a gunshot wound. And so he, he, he looks at his wife, he, theoretically, in the movie, artistically, mama, take this gun from me, I, I can't use it, or take this badge from me, I can't. I can't use it anymore. And that's, that's the idea here, that, that he is dying. And so this is him knocking on the door of heaven. He's, he's, he's walking into death. And that's one way that that phrase is used. But Jesus spoke of prayer as a knocking, a persistent knocking, even knocking on the door of heaven. In Matthew 7, Jesus urges, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Folks, when we engage in prayer, we are knocking at the door of heaven, waiting with confidence that the door will be opened to us. So this morning I ask you, how should you pray? I want to emphasize 3 things that really jumped out at me in this parable, and that we should pray with expectation, we should pray continually, continually, and then we should pray with the end in mind the first thing is that we pray with expectation pray with expectation if you ever pulled up at somebody's house for a visit maybe unannounced you pulled up and all the lights were off there were no cars in the parking lot or parking lot there were no cars in the driveway and you went and out of a sense of obligation you went ahead and you knocked on the door anyway but you pretty well assumed that when you knocked on that door nobody was going to arrive Nobody was going to come to that door and invite you in. How different is it when you show up at a home where you've been invited? You were invited to come over for dinner and you pull up into the driveway and you notice the front door is open. You see cars in the driveway. You might even smell charcoal from the grill that's lit in the back. And you have a great expectation when you knock on that door. Not only is somebody going to open that door, but they're going to welcome you in there's, there's real expectation. And so you don't knock on that door out of a sense of obligation. You knock on that door with a sense of expectation. Expecting there to be good things on the other side of that door and expecting you to be invited in to participate, to experience those good things. Do you know we're supposed to pray with that sort of expectation? We're supposed to pray with that sort of expectation, with this idea that when I knock on the door of heaven... I'm not doing so out of a sense of obligation, Oh well, maybe, maybe God will be there, maybe God won't be there. Instead, we are to pray with a sense of expectation. There's somebody on the other side of that door that actually wants to hear from us, wants to engage with us, wants to have a relationship with us. When Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he taught them to pray this way, to the Father in heaven who hears in heaven, but then he asked them to do what? To give, or he taught, taught them to do what? To ask God to give them their daily bread their daily bread they didn't need to worry about tomorrow tomorrow has enough worries for itself they didn't even need to go to the lord and pray lord god will you make sure you take care of me moving forward lord give me my daily bread why could they pray for daily bread why did jesus teach them to pray for daily bread because jesus wanted them to understand first of all their needs could be met but second of all that god was going to be there tomorrow when they went to him again do you know that Do you know that God's going to be there again tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day? We can go to him expectantly because God is at home. And he wants to open the door to us. He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and to pray and not lose heart. Now it doesn't exactly say in this passage that we should pray with expectation, but we get this kind of implied Because what we hear is that we are to pray. And there's a promise in here that God hears our prayers. Folks, do you pray with expectation? Do you? Do you you find yourself entering into a time of prayer with an expectation that God hears your prayer? That God wants to hear your prayer? That God desires to answer your prayer? Parents, how many of you know what it's like for your child to walk up to you this way? Right? You know what that is. Some of you may have forgotten. Some of you are just lying to yourselves. They don't come looking for you to give them a high five, they don't really desire that. They come this way and they go, I I need some money. You know, they start off in elementary school and they need like a dollar so they can buy, you know, I don't know, a little Debbie cake at lunch or something. And you're like, don't need a little Debbie cake that's me right I'm the dad Go, you don't need that they give you lunch you're f- no they don't give you You don't pay for lunch daddy please and I'm such a softy now I'm not strong like Angel. she can look at them and say she's like stone face no and then they walk away from her they keep coming back and, and they wear me down I'm like the judge here I'm so mean and angry and ornery and I don't no. and then they keep coming back and finally I'm like just take my money and leave me alone but then they, they, they start growing up, and they don't come and ask for dollars anymore. They're like, I need a 20. Like, I just gave you a 20. It's all gone. I don't, I'm out of 20s. I got nothing left. But our children, don't they? They come and they expect it. They come expectantly. Why? Because we trained them that way. Some of y'all that are smarter than me, you train them differently. You looked at them when they were like two, and you said, I gave you food for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You get nothing else. They don't ever come back to you. Those of you that are soft like me, they just keep coming back and coming back and coming back. And you grandparents are even worse. And your grandparents are worse because they don't even have to ask you. They show up and you just start tucking things in their pockets. I hate to go to my mom's house. I hope she's not watching today. She's at her own church. She won't see this. But like we leave my parents' house. And we leave with stuff. Like, we have to make sure that we drive and we leave an empty, vacant space for whatever they're going to accumulate once we arrive. And it's usually just the biggest pile of junk you've ever seen. It's like, I went to Sam's and bought the children a case of powdered donuts to send home with you. Why would you do that? Why? Why? They don't even have to ask. I mean, we're literally walking out the door. Oh, sweethearts, y'all look like you're hungry. Let me send you something. Don't send them anything. They're going to have to go to the bathroom before we get home. Let us leave. And some of y'all are even worse. I've heard what y'all do. You just buy and buy and buy. Angela's mom showed up at our house one time with literally, literally boxes of things. Boxes of things that she had dug out of her basement that she said, these were Angelas when she was little, and I thought the children would enjoy them. No, they won't enjoy them, but they will make a wonderful bonfire, you know? Grandparents, quit doing this. It's awful. So frustrating. Don't be that person. Your children hate you. I'm just giving you warning. But y'all don't even care, because as long as the grandchildren are happy, y'all are on cloud nine. I can't wait to do it to my own kids. (laughs) But do we go to the Lord expecting that? How many of you go to the Lord expecting your hand to be slapped? Listen, can I be honest with you? Some of you grew up in difficult situations, difficult homes. Maybe you didn't have a great father figure. Maybe you didn't have great parents. And some of you have a hard time going with a degree of expectation. Because the only thing you ever knew from your earthly family, was no, no, no. Was a hand slap, a push away, a turn away. Our Heavenly Father knows how to give good gifts. And He desires to give good gifts to His children. And He wants to hear from you. He desires that. And so we can go to Him and we can pray with expectation because He listens to us. Before we move on, we have this one other thing that happens in our family. My children, some, and, and we're not the only one. Like, we, we've, we've we've met some of you who shared some similar things. Any of y'all ever that situation where you did one thing as a family, if you did it one time, there's this expectation that it's a tradition and it's supposed to be done over and over and over again? Y'all remember that? Y'all, some of y'all been there? So, for instance, we, we went on family vacation many years ago now, and we got there, and, and it seems like the room wasn't ready. I don't remember the whole nine yards, but what I do remember is basically before anything else happened, our entire extended family ended up on the beach playing a football game, right? It was just, it was just the way that the schedule worked out that day. It wasn't on purpose. Well, after that, the next year, we arrived, and I had children who were just distraught. And what is wrong? Well, when are we going to go play the football game? What you, we always play a football game as soon as we arrive on vacation. Some of y'all have had that, you know. Um, I, I read about a family one time, and, and the mom made a cake on the second day of school. It wasn't on purpose. She just made a cake. And the next year, when the first day of school arrived, the children looked at the mom and said, are you going to make second day of school cake? She said, what are you talking about? Second day of school cake. We always have second day of school cake. Well, it began a tradition, and they always had second day of school cake. Too many of you, too many of us, have allowed our disappointments in prayer to establish a tradition that is not biblical or godly. Rather than looking forward to second day of school cake, you begin to assume that God doesn't hear your prayers, and that became the tradition that you approached Him in prayer. And so rather than praying with expectation, you prayed out of obligation. And rather than expecting the Lord to answer the the, the door, you assumed that when you knocked, that the lights were off and the cars were gone and that you were going to knock but nobody was listening. Can I encourage you this morning to begin a new tradition in your prayer life? To expect the Lord to open the door and to offer you second day of school cake because He desires to do good things things for you. Pray with expectation. The second thing this morning I want to see is that we should pray continually. You know, sometimes when we get into Jesus' parables, we have to really dig in to try and understand them. Like, the parable of the prodigal son... What, what is the parable of the prodigal son about? Well, some people would say, well, the parable, parable of the prodigal son is all about the way that the father loves the son. And, and I believe that's certainly a part of it. But I believe that the primary purpose of the prodigal son is, is not about the father or the prodigal son at all. It's actually for the, the, the brother in the story. Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees in that moment. And the Pharisees were the older brother. And Jesus wanted the older brothers, the self-righteous among them, to see that they were ungodly. Am I right? Am I wrong? We've got to wrestle through those things. But then sometimes in Jesus' parables, we get a window. We get an explanation. Sometimes Jesus offers that explanation for us. But in this particular situation, the writer here, Dr. Luke, offers that. The Bible says he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. If anybody ever looks at you and says, What do you think Luke 18, verses 1 through 8 is all about? Don't fail this test. They gave you the answer. This is an open book test. Luke said, this is why Jesus told this parable. So we would be remiss if we preached an entire sermon on this parable and we didn't include the main idea that Luke said Jesus was using. And the main idea, the big purpose behind this prayer is that he told it so that we should continually pray, that we ought not give up, that we ought to keep doing it. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, Jesus wants to hear from you. Do you know that, that when you pray, you're not annoying him? Do you know that when you pray, you're not annoying him? I, I rarely receive a phone call from my children and 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 i'm not excited to see that number now that's rarely sometimes when they have a covid quarantine things get different so i just need to be honest i don't have the patience of our heavenly father but the the lord doesn't see our number on the caller id and go oh no not again we ought always to pray we ought continually to pray bible says we should pray without ceasing we're not annoying him what do you need from him What do you want from the Lord? What is bothering or burdening you? Do you know that he wants to hear that from you? He wants to hear that. I have people say to me regularly, well, I I just feel like God's got enough going on. He doesn't need to hear my problems. Folks, that, that, that idea comes from a misunderstanding of the heart of the Lord. How many of you have ever had that conversation, maybe with your spouse, where you say, what's wrong? And they say, nothing how many of y'all love to hear that i I, don't we all what's the matter nothing is wrong let's just talk about something's obviously bothering you i'm fine right and what do we want husband wife you just want them to say this is what's wrong and sometimes we husbands want them to say, this is what's wrong, and this is what I want you to do to fix it. We love that. Boy, our chest gets poked out. That's right. That's why I live. I'm here to fix all the world's problems. We have the same issue with our children, don't we? As a pastor, I have this conversation in counseling regularly. So what do you think's wrong? Nothing. I'm fine. Well, there's obviously something wrong. There's tension in your relationship. There's tension at home, Maybe. You're struggling in these particular areas. What's wrong? I'm fine. Do you know that when people are struggling in life, lo- the people that they love actually want to know what's wrong? They want to hear what's wrong. They want to try to offer suggestions and solutions. They want to offer help. Sometimes they just, they're just they willing to just be a shoulder upon which they can cry. We want to help those people that we love. But we can only help them when what? When we know what's going on. We want to hear it. How much more our Heavenly Father, who loves eternally more than we can fathom, how much more does He want to hear you? say, I don't want to bother Him. Folks, is it possible that the Lord's sitting there going, please tell me, I want to hear it, I want to help you. How many of you know the experience of finally confessing that thing and feeling the burden lift, the weight lift off, why? Because we've put it in the hands of one who is strong and mighty and powerful. Are you concerned that somehow you're going to annoy Jesus, that he's going to get tired of hearing from you? No, you're not. He actually wants it. He enjoys it. And so here's the thing. He's not like me. There should have been some amens there. Y'all apparently didn't get it. He's not, though. He's not, he's not sometimes impatient. The Lord doesn't get tired, and when He gets tired, He gets short-tempered. That doesn't happen with Jesus. That doesn't happen. He wants to hear from us. He desires it. And so we should pray constantly, regularly. What's it look like to pray without ceasing? Does this mean that we lock ourselves in our room and we never leave again and we just spend the next years of our life wailing away in prayer, only emerging for visit for sustenance and then moving but no it means that a spirit of prayer a a, a regular conversation with the Lord should be our default place in life that when things happen in life we find ourselves just always constantly being in conversation in regular communication that it, it just becomes second nature When you observe the sunset, to go, Wow, Lord, thank you for the blessing that you gave me in that today. That it becomes second nature when you pass an ambulance to say, Lord God, I don't know where they're going, but Father, would you be with those people? That it becomes second nature just as you're reading God's word for it to drive you to a place of praying for those people that it brings to mind. That's what we're talking about when we talk about continual, constant, regular prayer. We just keep this open line of communication with the Lord. Should there be times in our lives that are set aside for me to have prayer one-on-one, private prayer with the Lord? Yes, absolutely. But folks, it's not the only time that we pray. It's not the only place where we can pray. So we pray without ceasing, maintaining that line of communication with the Lord. And He likes it. He enjoys it. Because he actually really loves you. He loves you. And because of the love that he has for you, he enjoys regular relationship with you, regular fellowship with you, engagement with you. It's not a burden. It's a joy for him. Pray with expectation. Pray continually. And then number three, pray with the end in mind. In Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey's second step is begin with the end in mind. What if I told you you should pray with the end in mind? What is the end? Well, we get that right there in, in chapter 18, verse 8. I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth. There's a reminder here that the Lord's going to return someday. We pray with the end in mind knowing that there is coming a day when Christ will return to undo the wrongs of this world. The end is coming, and, and, and Christ's kingdom will come in that moment that Jesus has taught us to anticipate and pray for the, pray this in the Lord's prayer. So we, we are taught to pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are praying always with an eye toward the end that is coming. So that helps me to understand that when I pray, when I know what the end is, when I know that suffering, pain, heartache, and strife in this world is going to be wiped away, then I understand that when I'm praying against those kinds of things, I'm not praying out on left field all alone. I'm praying the Lord's will because I'm praying for those things that I know God is going to bring about someday. I'm praying with the end in mind. I'm praying for God's kingdom to come right here. I pray against pain, disease, death. And when I do, I'm not praying against the will of God. I'm praying for the coming of the kingdom of God. I'm praying for God to work. And I'm praying for God to work in accordance with his character. Because it is Jesus who makes all things new. Folks, you know that we're also praying with confidence that even if He doesn't do it today, He will do it one day. Pray with the end in mind. Pray knowing that you're praying within the will of God when you're praying against all kinds of evil, whether that be natural evil or the evil that is perpetrated by the people. We're praying with God's will in mind and with the end that His kingdom is going to come. So how are you praying? See, we find ourselves wondering, how does this transition into the Lord's Supper? How how does this transition from prayer into a, a time of remembrance of Christ's sacrifice on our behalf? And, and that transition comes because as we consider how we're praying, there's nothing that better illustrates our opportunity for prayer than Christ's death on the cross. But before we get there, I just ask you this, are you praying at all? See, if the focus of this sermon is how are you praying, some of you have got to be honest and say, I'm not. Why? See, I talked earlier about the difference between knocking on the door of a house with the lights off and one where you've been invited, but you know, some of you aren't worried about that at all. See, when we begin to talk about prayer, some of you aren't worried about whether or not the lights are on the lights are off. Some of you are actually worried that the lights are on, but the minute that you knock, the lights are going to be cut off and you're going to see somebody diving behind a couch because they just don't want to see you. Some of you are afraid that, to be totally honest, When the Lord sees your number pop up on his caller ID, the Lord's response is going to be red button, red button, red button. See, I talk about praying with expectation. I talk about all these things, but some of you are just terrified that you're going to knock on the door. And the response is going to be, I see they're in there, but he doesn't want to talk to me. Nothing shows us God's love for us more than Christ shed blood on Calvary's cross. How can you know that God's not going to somehow run and hide from you when you pray to Him? You can know that because He sought you out. While we were yet sinners, the Bible says, Christ died. You see, if I begin talking about how frustrating a grandparent can be because they're giving things away before anybody ever asks, do you understand that God gave us grace before we knew to ask for it? Do you realize that? Do you you know that before we ever breathed life in this world, Christ died for us before we ever had the breath to know that we needed it? while we were yet sinners, enemies of the cross, enemies of Jesus, while we were all of that, God loved us anyway. And He loved us that much. God wants to hear from you. He invites you into a relationship with Him. And a real relationship is complete with real fellowship, with engagement, with prayer. How can you know that God wants to hear your prayers? He died to make a way for you to have access to Him. And so this morning, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. And in this observation, we are going to be reminded that Jesus died for us. Our children will be coming in in just a minute. Before they do, we're gonna, I told you it's going to be a little bit awkward this morning. Um, Tom, Brian, uh, Kevin, uh, if you guys just see, if, if you didn't get a, um, uh, a, some, the elements for the Lord's Supper, if you just slide your hand up, these guys want to take care of you, and we'll need to make sure that um, children get those um, as uh, and, and adults as they come in as well. But if you need those, if you just slip your hand up, these guys will get them to you. Brian, will you go check on our children and see where they are? We, we do hope... That uh, we are we are coming to an end of our plastic uh, disposable experience with the Lord's Supper soon, uh, but uh, for now we're going to continue to to do this. As our children come in, they will find their way. Parents, if you need uh, cups for your kids, please um, again let us know. We want to make sure we take care of everybody as they come in. Guys, y'all come on in and find a seat, okay? All right. Again, if you need I think we need some in the back, Brian, I think we need some back here. Anybody else? Kevin, right there. Welcome the chaos because it gives us an opportunity to. Um, I need one myself, right? Thank you, sir. We welcome the chaos because it gives, gives, gives us an opportunity to remind our children um, how, how we love them and they're a part of us, but also for them to learn and understand why we do this Lord's Supper. As we talked about prayer in here this morning, just a strong reminder for all of us that we know that we can pray because Jesus made a way. We know that God wants to hear from us because Jesus made a way. Now, before we observe the Lord's Supper, I do want to remind you that, that the Lord's Supper is set aside for those who belong to Jesus. Um, uh, this is and, and, and this is why for our children who have not yet made a commitment to Christ, kids, we love you and we're so thankful that you're in here with us, but uh, this is a reminder to you that um, this, this, this cup, this juice, and this wafer represent the, the shed blood and the broken body of Jesus. And it is reserved for those who have made a commitment to Christ. And so we look forward in faith to our children being with us uh, someday but until they are and then for those that may be with us that have not made a commitment to Christ I just want to remind you uh, and urge you this morning rather than take this cup we want you to take Jesus as your savior because this is just juice and a wafer but it is representative of so much more representative of a Jesus who gave his life so that we might live of a christ a Savior who died so that we who are sinners might be set free and that we might inherit eternal life with Christ in heaven. This doesn't save you. This is a symbol of what Jesus did for us on the cross of Calvary. But having said that this morning, I do want to read to you from the book of 1 Corinthians. Why do we read from 1 Corinthians for the Lord's Supper? This is Paul's book to Corinth was written earlier than than the gospel accounts. And so this is the earliest known um, statement that we have regarding the Lord's Supper. And that's the reason that we always read from 1 Corinthians for the Lord's Supper. And so the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul said, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took the bread... When he given thanks, he broke it. So let me ask you to go ahead, if it's your first time with these little cups. There's two layers there, so you want to try and peel back the little cellophane layer on top. And the trick is to do it without dropping anything. Okay? And the Bible says that he, he broke it, or he gave thanks, and he broke it. So let me pray briefly. Lord God, thank you for the body of Jesus that was broken for our sin. Thank you, Lord God, that um, Jesus willingly gave his life for us. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says that Jesus said to his disciples, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper. And so again, you're going to peel back that second layer. The trick is not to spill it. Okay. And then since he said it did it in the same way, we're going to pray again. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the shed blood of Jesus. The Bible teaches us without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Father God, we understand that our salvation was purchased at a high price. We thank you, Lord. You loved us enough to send Jesus to die, and Jesus we thank you, Father, or we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you gave your precious blood so that we might live in Christ's name. Amen. Jesus said, This is this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We read the gospel accounts. We also know that after having taken the Lord's Supper that, that the disciples and Jesus left and they went onto the Mount of Olives and they sang a hymn. And so this morning we will sing in celebration of the life that was given for us and of the life that we've been given in Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask you to stand and as you stand I'm going to pray one more time and then our praise team will lead us this morning. Lord God, we thank you that Jesus is our living hope. We thank you that he gave his life so that we might live. And Father, as we join our voices together to sing you praise. Father, I'm so thankful, Lord, that we can pray to you. That you want to hear our prayers. That we should pray, Lord God, with expectation, with confidence, God. But Lord, I also am so grateful that our voices can be used not only to pray to you, but Lord God, to praise you for you've made a way. Lord God, hear our praise, hear our prayers. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As you stand this morning, I want to invite you to sing. Sing out to the Lord, but I also want you to know I'll be standing here this morning. If there's any way that I can pray for you, I'd be happy to do that. If there's any decision you need to make, if you'd like to come and pray around this altar as we sing this morning, it's open.